TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here. On TuneIn, go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only twenty-five dollars a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile, get four iPhone 15s on us, and four lines for twenty-five bucks per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Time now for KJ and Don Darrow with KJ Carson and Mark Don Darrow on WEEI. WEEI. And streaming everywhere on the Odyssey app. Well, a lot of positives about this coming from the people in power, the people involved with the negotiations. A lot of, we're gonna get this done, we're just working through some stuff, it's eventually gonna happen. Personally, I am putting it at August 1st before you get concerned. KJ and Don Darrow, the final hour here on WEEI, 617-779-7937, text line 37937. Uh, That is Chris Mannix saying that, look, there looks to be a deadline regarding when Jalen Brown signs or doesn't sign the Supermax deal. Are you getting concerned, Mark, because the de- that date is right around the corner, August 1st? Honestly, I'm That's not That's my birthday, concerned. too. Happy birthday. Yeah. I'm not concerned. Um, I- I'm not concerned. Everything that I've gathered, that I've read, that I've felt – makes me believe that Jalen Brown will be here. And it does not concern me that there's been a bit of a delay or it hasn't happened yet. And I just, I don't know. I mean, why he did, did Chris Mannix explain why August 1st is the time I should start to feel concerned? And, well, no, because at least it's a date. I mean, the, the previous date. date was, okay. the previous date was, you know, possibly before summer league started. And I think that's when kind of the countdown clock for some people was like, wait, how come it hasn't been signed? How come it hasn't been signed? So I guess the question would be is how how do you have one date and then another date without having some type of concern when you know that it's the it's the most you're going to get? I don't think the self I have a theory. Yeah. I think it's because Jalen Brown is such a creative guy when it comes to things like this. I don't standard contract I don't think would be in the in the realm of things with him. That possibly maybe a list of places where he could not be dealt to versus places he could be dealt to. So not a not so much a, a no trade clause, but a veto clause that he may want in there to prevent them from sending him, you know, to East Bumble, if you will. Just to, you know, East to get Bumble. You think I'm gonna say the rest of the place? You know, yeah, yeah, <laughs> you yeah, know yeah. what I'm talking about, right? No, 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 no. Yeah. Right, right, right. Exactly. Show would be over tomorrow. Well, <laughs> next hour. But look, yeah. <laughs> I, I think there's maybe kind of like a, I don't know, like I, when I was looking through different contracts, like for example, it's very hard to to trade for uh, Edwards in, in Minnesota because he has a poison pill in his deal. In His deal, his poison pill is, hey, if you try and make a trade from him for him, all the language in the later part of the contract becomes immediate. 
right? So all the monies that he's supposed to get down the road, he now gets immediately. So where you think you might be getting a deal, the deal isn't, there's no longer a deal. It becomes now you're paying super max money, even though that number hasn't hit in just yet. So maybe Jalen Brown, I don't know if it's a poison pill in there that they want, that he might want in there, that the team that takes him, it may be just too much of a cost if he doesn't want to go there. What do you think of the idea of possibly may, maybe the ability to a veto trades that he sees unfit for him of what he wants to ultimately do? Because I have a thought behind that too. Yeah, I mean, that would concern me. It's just that hasn't been... Um, I think anything that's holding this up ultimately comes back to finding common ground that will allow him to sign with the Celtics. So I, I can't say that I'm concerned. I'm intrigued and interested as to what the holdup might be like everybody else, but I'm not concerned um, at this point. I just think that he's going to, I think he wants to be here. I think the actions speak louder than the words do or or the silence. Um, They've been so close. He's so close with Jason Tatum. Um, Did him and Marcus Smart get along? How was their relationship? Do we know? I mean, they they say they they say they were cool, right? I don't think there was any, yeah. But, but why would I think, Here's another thing that I haven't heard discussed. Maybe it has been. I just missed it. Why would I think that now the Celtics are without Marcus Smart? Why would that discourage, of all people, Jalen Brown from wanting to be here? If anything, I would think he'd be on the DL encouraged about that scenario because maybe he can infuse more of whatever he feels like the culture needs to be or he could be more of the man or the leader or whatever it was that maybe Marcus Smart maybe rubbed him the wrong way about Marcus Smart. Now it feels like he's taken more, I mean, he's been lifted up a level almost. Why would you get discour- more discouraged now? That doesn't make sense to me. That's why, in part why I'm not concerned. Well, the other part of it is, so I believe he signs the max deal. And the way it works is a max player, when they sign that deal, they can't be traded for a year. So I don't think the question about where Jalen Brown is next year, I think that's a, that's a given. He's in Boston. But what happens a year later now that Marcus Smart is gone, as you mentioned, but it becomes a him and Tatum situation where Brown may just really justifiably feel that he needs to go somewhere to be the guy. And I look at a couple places like, okay, what could the storyline be a year from now? And I'll give you some teams and I'll give you a scenario of where the Celtics may be because you also have to remember it's about what the Celtics can get back, and it has to be in multiplicity. It's not going to be like a Dame for Jalen Brown deal. It's not. It's going to be like a player that could be that's still okay, but maybe having some issues in the town that they're in. Not not outside the court, but just the franchise wants to go another direction, and you can haul back another player. So look at the situation with Philly, right? So I don't see the Celtics doing the deal unless Tyrese Maxey becomes like the super growth piece in the next year. And you see a decline of Joel Embiid where now, hey, Jalen Brown may say, I can go to Philadelphia. They may come off of what they're doing with uh, Tobias Harris. And now if I can go in there with Embiid and possibly another piece, I would be the future face of Philly trying to help Embiid get the championship who's the older guy. That might be something that intrigues Jalen Brown down the road, but I don't think the Celtics even touch that. Would you agree? No, I don't think there's no way they get involved in that. I think I think genuinely Brad Stevens wants him here. I think it's just about figuring out the semantics of the deal. About the, but I think I, I agree. I think Brad Brad Stevens wants. I think the organization wants him. But I think at the end of the day, when you're looking at NBA players, 
does he ultimately want to be here? Not against being here, but again, you have to look at the New York Times article and some of the small things where it's like if he can go somewhere else yep. and be the guy and still be able to but be he's not he wouldn't be the guy in Philly. Well, but if you got a declining Joel Embiid who's now getting into the who's now that, you know, on the other side of the woods as you're like, okay, I need help the way that the way that Shaq needed but Shaq would need help in those later years, right? Like when Shaq goes to Miami, it's really D Wade's team, but Shaq is not the primary guy. He could still do some great things, but now he's starting to get to the other side of his career at the beginning of it, right? So that might be where Joel Embiid is after this following season. Uh, but I don't see Philly getting that. I don't see the Celtics doing that deal with Philly just to have Jalen Brown right there down the road. But maybe the Knicks, let's say the Celtics would be willing to do that deal if they get a haul of young talent to build around Tatum, right? If you say, okay, maybe a three-for-two deal like Quigley, maybe you take the, the rest of Randall's contract and a pick for, say, Brown and Pritchard, now you might say this may be a deal that the Celtics do strictly out of business, and Brown could be the guy, even though Jalen Brunson is there. It would be really Jalen Brown, the star, along with Jalen Brunson. The, the, he would be the two guy. I think the most interesting thing this year, and we can t- I know we have to try to figure out what's going on with Jalen Brown as part of our job and creating right. these uh, potential narratives, right? Yeah, but... The, the most interesting thing and, and maybe the most um, influential thing that could happen for the Celtics this year coming up is how does the culture evolve without Marcus Smart? Was he the best player? No. But he was, as a lot of people like to say, he was the soul of the team. He was the longest tenured Celtic. He was a big part of their leadership structure. Whether you like it or not, that's what it was. How does that culture now evolve with him gone? Because it's going to evolve. And it's just a matter of does it evolve positively the right way or does it go in a, in a bad direction where maybe they're not as good defensively. Maybe they're softer. Maybe, they, I don't know. Maybe they're even more exposed and Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum are in their own heads even more than we thought. Mm. And they're not going to be. I don't think that's going to be the case. I think but you still need a Tatum, full year to see what's going Tatum's on. Tatum's team. It's Brown's team unequivocally now. They are going to dictate the culture unequivocally now. Marcus Smart is not going to be a part of it no matter what. Remember we always heard... There was a, a photo shoot or some Sports Illustrated shoot where they had to ask if Marcus could be involved or something like that. <laughs> if, if he was a part, if that's kind of what he was associated with, that's right. gone. That's not going to be a part of the Celtics dynamic anymore. So it's going to change, and I want to see how it changes. That's the most interesting part, even more so than is Chris Dapps Porzingis going to be this or that on the court. Right. I want to see how that leadership and the culture evolves with Smart gone via the evolution of, of Tatum and Brown. KJ and Dondero, WEEI, 617-779-7937. Text line 37937. We'll continue the conversation about the Celtics and Paul Pierce's comments recently about D. Wade. It's pretty fascinating, but I think it's misguided a bit. I'll tell you about that next. But right now it's time to trend with Justin Turpin. Your home of the Sox. Now, here's what's trending on WEEI. The rubber match between the Red Sox and Mets will take place from Fenway Park tonight at 7:10. Joe Castiglione and Will Fleming have the call right here on the Shaw's and Star Market WEI Red Sox Network. Shaw is perfecting the art of fresh. It'll be Brendan Bernardino getting the start. 
In a bullpen game for the Sox, he'll be opposed by Carlos Carrasco for New York. Mark Dondero gets you set with the Mass Mutual pregame show at 610, Mass Mutual Insurance Planning Investments. In other Sox news, according to The Athletic, the Los Angeles Dodgers and San Francisco Giants have interest in a potential Kike Hernandez trade ahead of the August 1st deadline. The Patriots hosted veteran running backs Leonard Fournette and Daryl Henderson on free agent visits last week, but according to ESPN's Mike Reese, no signing is imminent. However, Reese adds the sides could always revisit in the future. And the New England Revolution played the New York Red Bulls to a nil-nil draw on Saturday night in what was their first match of the 2023 League's Cup. The Revs bring home one point after falling 4-2 in a shootout. They'll be back in action on Wednesday night. I'm Justin Turpin. That's what's trending now on WEI and WEI.com. WEEI. 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 New England Sports Original. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. Yes, and even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. If your day sounds like. We need the report ASAP. You deserve Medela. If you've persevered through. You deserve this rich golden lager with a crisp but refreshing taste. Or if you overcame. Two more reps, two more. You deserve this ice cold reward. Medela, the markable fighter. Drink responsibly, beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. You're listening to KJ and Don Darrow on Boston Sports Original. WEEI. Put Shaq on my team. Put LeBron and Bosch with me. I'm not going to win one, you don't think? Like, who's the better three-point shooter? Is he a better scorer? Is, is he a better scorer? Okay, he averaged more points than me career. I can shoot the three, I can post up, I can get to the line. Who a better scorer? KJ and Don Darrow, WEEI, 617-779-7937, text line 37937. That is Paul Pierce on a recent podcast, making his case for him to be a greater player than Dwayne Wade in Miami. Um, Mark, I'll let you go ahead and give your thoughts because I'm going to kind of play a bit of devil's advocate because I know where this is going with you. You know where this is going with me? I, I know where it's going with you. Well, listen, there is no bigger Paul Pierce fan than me, um, but he's wrong. He's just Whoa. not as good as Dwayne Wade. No, he's not. He's not. I love Paul Pierce and... Yeah, he was right about the three. I think he's a better shot maker than Dwayne Wade. I loved him in big games. I thought he had the appropriate level of cockiness. I thought he was in between the ears exactly what I wanted in the guy. You know, I wish Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown had a little more Paul Pierce in them. 
But, I mean, I can't... Dwayne Wade was a first-team All-NBA player. Dwayne Wade was a scoring champion. Dwayne Wade might not have shot it as well, but he just was a more dynamic overall player, including defensively, than Paul Pierce. Now, while I agree with Pierce, if he had played with some of those guys in his prime shack in 06, and, you know, if he had Wade, or if he had... um. LeBron James and Chris Bosh in 2010, he probably would have won championships too. But I got to give the edge to Dwayne Wade. I think he was a little bit better, a little bit more decorated. It wasn't all because of being with Shaq and James and Bosh. Okay, so I understand Paul Pierce's argument, though I do I disagree with it, but I do agree with some of the premises that he was saying, right? Paul Pierce, what he could do, he could do better than most others in other positions, right? So if again, when he said that if you gave him LeBron and Chris Bosh, there's duplication right there with him and LeBron, right? So you would have to get Paul Pierce a guard and a big guy like you did with the big three in order to get him this championship. If you put him with Bosh and, and D. Wade, then yeah, absolutely. I think it happens, but there's D. Wade. And I think the other part of the narrative is D. Wade is a guy that came out of nowhere to greatness. Paul Pierce is a situation where he came from something really big and they kind of underachieved when he was at Kansas, right? He was on a team at Kansas that ended up losing only two games that entire season. Uh, the, the second game they lost in the year was the final game to Arizona, the, the game to Arizona. And I think he had like five NBA players on that team. And so when Pierce comes well, I mean, in the league... Wait a minute. Dwayne Wade, he led Marquette to the Final Four. Right, but Marquette came out of nowhere. We're not talking about a Blue Blood program. Yeah, yeah. Paul Pierce was one of the most dominant players in high school coming out of L.A., even though he wasn't one of these top 100s. He was still part of that L.A. scene of some of the best players coming out of there. Dwayne Wade was kind of like, oh, where did this guy come from? But with Paul Pierce, he had so much more to do when he got to the league that maybe what he's saying is, hey, had management put these type of players around me earlier, then that could have happened, right? Because Miami willingly went and got Shaq from, from L.A., right? They willingly allowed Braun and Bosch to come. It felt like you almost had to get to a point with Paul Pierce to for management to finally get him, Garnett and, and, and Allen, to come to round out what would end up becoming that champion. Because what, if they win it in 08, Pierce has been in the league for eight, nine years at this point? Right, So you've got an older Garnett. You've got an older Ray Allen when they finally come. But when you put together Bosh, Wade, and LeBron, those guys are all from the same draft. So when you look back in, in Paul Pierce's draft, really there's nobody from his own draft that you can say, hey, if you teamed up with Paul Pierce, this would be a great situation. I think Dwayne Wade just happened to come in a draft where you just had unbelievable players really in that top five. I think like Bosh was like eighth in that draft to show you how strong the draft was. So so even if you look back at the all-2000s team, it's interesting because whether you look at ChatGPT or if you look at the Sporting News, which did it back then, they both have Dwayne Wade and Paul Pierce as third-team all-decade players for the 2000s, right? If there's one person you would kind of make an argument for or against, it would be Steve Nash's first-team and Allen Iverson's second team, some would say you might switch those two. Oh, yeah. I mean, well, Nash won the two MVPs. That's why. Right, and I, that's why, right? But Nowitzki is considered first team, 2000 forward, and then now you're looking at Wade and and and, and Paul Pierce uh, as third team All-NBA. Yeah, NBA. I would agree well, with that. I think, they're, I think right. they're on the same level. I mean, it's close. It's just I'm giving the edge to Wade. I think he was a little bit more athletic. 
I think he was a little bit more dynamic as, like I said, as a defender. Um, I th- you know, Paul Pierce was awesome taking the ball to the rim. So was Dwayne Wade. Um, Dwayne Wade did develop a little bit more of a shot, even though it wasn't to the level of Paul Pierce. Wade was good in the playoffs. So was Pierce. It's close. They're right yeah, there but, together. But then when you say, but Pierce could take his size to anybody, you know, like that's what was really dynamic about him. Like there could be a guy that could be slightly bigger and he could use his size body wise, but yet his smaller frame to get by that guy. So it's like he could, it wasn't like, Hey, I'm just gonna go look for the point guard. He could go there and take a guy who might be a lanky four and still work him in the paint. That was what was really impressive about Paul Pierce. But when you get to the 2010s in the All-NBA team, okay, Paul Pierce is now towards the ending years of his career, but Dwayne Wade is third-team All-Decade 2010 again. Yeah. So that that's where I say, like, because, and maybe that's what Pierce is getting at, because D. Wade was able to get that second run with Bosh and with LeBron, right off of the heels of when LeBron couldn't get past the Celtics that often or get past Detroit during those years, I think this is where he's this is where he's coming from is like what credit does Paul Pierce get for not having LeBron suddenly become like some type of Kareem Abdul Jabbar just running through the league going to the finals every year once you get to a team or that he doesn't get the credit that okay I took a big three of older guys and did it while everybody else has been doing this with a younger crew. And that's really what the setup has been since then. It's these big threes have been created with younger guys, not so much with older guys. Like even if you look at the Phoenix situation, Beal is kind of like in terms of NBA middle aged. Uh, Durant would be the old guy, but it's really about Booker and Aiton. These are the young guys that are really going to carry next. That wasn't the case with Paul Pierce with Garnett and Allen. These guys had already been in the league. Allen had been with a couple of teams already. I think Garnett came in the league in '95. Right, so you're talking about a Garnett who's what in his twelfth, thirteenth year when they all win it together. So, I think Pierce is he has a point, but I think he's comparing wrong positions too. Right, when you're talking about what a forward does and what a guard does, he's not better at what Dwayne Wade does as a guard, and Dwayne Wade couldn't do what he does as a forward. Yeah, I, again, he does have a point. I wouldn't have shut him up. I would have let him made his. You know, I would have let him talk. Um, where it's you know, if it was that ridiculous, you're just like, I don't even want to hear this. This is insane. He has, a, he has an argument. I just don't think it's the right one. I, I just give the edge as much as I love Pierce. I mean, I would pick Pierce on my team over Wade. But if, if you're going to honestly ask me who was the more decorated player, it was Dwayne Wade, and it's because of his defense. It's because of, for better or worse, he was in the finals how many times? Like you said, the, a little bit longer into the other decade. You know, he had probably his highlight package. People don't want to consider this. I do, though. Probably a little bit more dynamic than Pierce, too, if you if you just throw on the highlight mixtape. So listen to the second team, according to ChatGPT, for all 2000s, right? It has Steve Nash, Allen Iverson, LeBron James, Dirk Nowitzki, Dwight Howard. Third team, Tracy McGrady, Dwayne Wade, Paul Pierce, Chris Webber, Yao Ming. Who wins that matchup in versus second versus third? Nash, Iverson, LeBron, Nit, uh, Nowitzki, Dwight Howard, or Tracy McGrady, Dwayne Wade, Pierce Weber, Yao Ming? The team with Iverson. I'm good. I got it. I got to go with the team with Pierce. I mean, like, because I, there's I no. Couldn't, I couldn't keep track of all that. Hold on. I'm Nash, up right now. Iverson, LeBron, Dirk, D. Howard. That's your second team? Yep. Versus Tracy McGrady, Dwayne Wade, 
Paul Pierce, Chris Weber, Yao Ming. Give me that third team. Yeah, Dwayne Wade and Paul Pierce. I, I mean, the size, the shooting. Yao Ming was really good when he was not nursing a foot injury. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I would take that. I take that third team because, and and that's why I, I think what what I get where Paul Pierce is coming from. I think it's really a when you talk about all these names and you know his names weren't in rap songs and times it was. Jay-Z was putting Wade, LeBron, and D-Wade in his songs and so forth. Right. But Pierce was just as important and went through more heartache than I think any of the stars during that time. You know, think about it. He's, through the, he's there for the paternal years. It's him and Walker. And you feel like there's some energy there, but Walker suddenly doesn't become the same player or doesn't really grow into the player that you would hope he would be, that it's Pierce by himself. Because even if you look at, like, a win shares – for the 2000s, I think Pierce is like number three, so he had to do so much in the 2000s for his team that I think people tend to forget about him because there were a lot of bad teams. You know the other question, I and I, I don't know if they track, I mean, they must track this. How many All-Star games, I know he was an All-Star 10 times, how many right. times did Pierce start the All-Star game? Yeah, that's, I don't that, remember him being a starter all that much. I bet Dwayne Wade had a lot more starts than Pierce. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I'll find out here shortly. You know, it might not be right. But, I, you I know. trust chat GPT. They I can't trust Ty it at all. They told me that Ty Law intercepted Brett Favre to help the Patriots <laughs> lose the Super Bowl. And none of that happened. Yeah, well, I think when it comes to um, uh, when it comes to the All-Star game, I think it's really like the, vo- the uh, fan voting is what determines it. So I would think that Pierce would be on the lower end of games started. Maybe he starts... After the 2000, if he goes in 09, maybe he starts that game because it's all based on fan on fan fan voter, right? Yeah, I just don't remember how many times he started the All Star game, which is sort of a badge of honor in the NBA, right? But it's also a misnomer too because it's fan uh, because it's the fan thing, right? It's a fan thing. 2009 Eastern Conference starters: LeBron James, Kevin Garnett, Dwayne Wade, Dwight Howard, Allen Iverson. See. So not right even after, in his absolute prime did he start right. the All-Star game. Like you just won a championship in the next All-Star game, you're not named a starter. You're not even so, a starter. So that's the frustration that I totally get, right? It's here you have this body of work, and, and here's the crazy thing. Pierce played about almost 350 games more than Dwayne Wade. More. 2008, Wade, Kidd, Howard, James, Garnett starters. See? So, it's, so that's Wade was the starter over Pierce basically every time. Well, no, LeBron not, would be the not starter. over Pierce, but in Wade was a starter. Pierce wasn't during the right. prime of and Paul Pierce, and that's because of LeBron is always was always going right, to eat up right. that forward spot. Right. So that's why I think I don't know why Paul Pierce would compare himself to another guard, right? Like if if you're going to say who's the forward you want to give me from the 2000s in the Eastern Conference, it would probably be LeBron one, maybe Pierce in terms of small forward, maybe Pierce two, right in terms of the Eastern Conference. It's just that you just get such in that shadow of LeBron. That's why I think it's because you, you can't say any of those Detroit teams. You're not going to tell me um, what was it? Who's the, who was that? I can't even remember who their 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 their, their three guy was. Who? So when, Ray when, no, the for for Detroit when they were winning the championships. I know Richard it was Billups, Hamilton, Billups, Ben um, Wallace, Ben Wallace. You had Rasheed Wallace. Yeah, and then you, who was the other one? Right, like can you remember who the other starter was? I don't right. <clears throat> Sorry, Tayshawn Prince? Tayshawn Prince. There you go. 
So really, for the dominant teams in the Eastern Conference through the 2000s, only LeBron probably is the better small forward. You you know maybe Tracy McGrady for a little bit when he's in Orlando, but you can argue that he's a guard more than he is a forward. Vince Carter was a was a guard. No, so that's I, fair. It, it was LeBron. That's probably right. why Paul Pierce didn't start more All Star games. LeBron ate up that spot every time. Right. So if I'm if I'm Paul Pierce, I'm kind of like you know what? Why even give Dwayne Wade the air and just be known as that guy that you you battled it out with one team. You saw some horrible times. Think about it. For those who remember the you know the tank for Tim years with with you know hoping to get Tim Duncan and he doesn't come and how because now if he says hey if we get Tim Duncan and you give me uh, Antoine Walker and myself they have a I think that team at least goes to one NBA Finals and if you end up dealing Walker whoever you get for Walker and if it's Pierce. Let's say it's Pierce Duncan and another person. Oh, they've won. They win a title for sure. I don't think you see that the the dominance of that Detroit team during those years where they were able to hold LeBron because you saw what San Antonio did to LeBron. So really, if Tim Duncan was able to get here despite having all those, and you remember the Celtics had like two of the top ten picks. That's how I ended with um, Ron Mercer as one of them. I forgot and, and Billups at three. So I, I, yeah. Yeah, there were there were a lot of would have, could have, should haves that happened around Pierce in those early years that really didn't ferment until like 08, 07 when you get the big three in there. I mean, yeah, you could make that argument all day long, but I do think Paul Pierce had the DNA to do what he said in that in that statement or whatever he was talking about on that podcast. He was good enough to lead those teams if he had played with those guys to championships. We'll just never know. But I don't think you can stack up to, to Dwayne Wade in terms of your resume. I get what he's saying. I think you can make the argument. I respect the argument. But he wasn't as good. KJ and Don Darrow and WEEI, 617-779-7937. Text line 37937. If you hear Don Darrow taking bites of food during the show, it's because no, he's at choking. the Ford. That was a yeah, joke. Oh, oh, okay. You were choking. I'm sorry. I didn't, make, didn't want to make a joke. But, but you are at the Ford Clubhouse Fenway Studio. Just brought to you by Ford Dealers, pickup and delivery sweepstakes. Visit redsox.com slash Ford Sweeps to enter for your chance to be picked up and delivered to the Ford Clubhouse and attend a Red Sox game. I, I, I Look, tonight's game with the Mets, I think is just as important as last night's game. Right, right. Because yes, if last night, if last night's game was a loss, because there was a feeling like, gosh, in the suspended game, the second half of it, the bats just disappeared. The bullpen held despite using four guys, and they couldn't, and they just couldn't move players. And then Cass's probably last night took a chunk out of Scherzer's value in terms of on the market, in terms of buying. Right, like what he did last night, hitting those fastballs as a rookie. It would make you think as a buyer, you're like, do we do we want Scherzer in here? And what would we have to give up to get him here for our run? Paxson looked good despite what happened uh, later on with the error with Alfaro and stuff like that. But again, you know, look, I, I think the Red Sox are in a situation where if you can win tonight, you win two out of three from the Mets. If you can split with the with the with the with the Braves, because the Braves are a great team, you get one of those two games. Then when you go to San Francisco out on the West Coast. It at least gives, I think, upper management a chance to really have a conversation about how to still be buyers, but not huge buyers, instead of thinking themselves themselves of being sellers. This is the season for the Red Sox, and it's not because the season's about to end. It's because the ownership is 
legitimately considering whether or not they're going to be buyers or sellers at the trade deadline. If you sell, you're not going to win the championship. You're not going to go for the championship. You're not going to have postseason success. None of those fun things associated with a Major League Baseball season are going to happen if you sell. And it starts tonight. It's a rubber game, another rubber game, which when I'm in here, usually they win. So I'm just going to put that out there. So, so it's because of you. Is it your is it your cologne? You think that's what it might what be? It is. I don't wear cologne. <laughs> when um, I don't know. I've had some good luck here. But it's not on me. It's on the Red Sox and namely their bullpen tonight because the bullpen in one of the biggest games of the season, it's a bullpen game. Okay? And they're going to have to have their guys ready to go. Hopefully, you know, they can get something out of the opener who's going. But, I, you know, that's, you can't rely on that. So Bernard, the offense you know, yeah. is going to have to show up and the bullpen's going to have to show up and they're going to have to win this game. I, I mean, you can't – I don't see how – they're going to be in a position to buy if they lose two of three to Oakland and then two of three to the New York Mets, who aren't a good team or as good as we thought they were going to be this year. They're not that good. Well, so. yeah, they're, they're, I think they're in a sell. Well, clearly, I think New York is in a sell mode. That's why I think another part of a lot of scouts coming to the game is because they believe that the Mets are going to be sellers because they've overspent and underachieved. So, but again, they still got some pop in some places where, you know, they got you still good have to players. Be, they got guys yeah. that can hit, but shame on the Mets. Okay, shame on the Mets. I feel like the Mets, it, it just crushed them when Edwin Diaz got hurt in the World Baseball Classic, and I feel like they psychologically couldn't come deflated. get over that. It deflated yeah. them. It deflated the whole fan base, the ownership, everybody. And I feel like they never were able to get over that. Now, maybe I'm totally wrong. I'm not watching every Mets game. But the no, Mets should have been anything. good this year. They spent the money. They had the team with the experience, and they were not even close to good this year. And they let some of these other teams, the Marlins, that aren't even near what they're spend. The, where the Mets are spending, come in and really have a much better season. So I have nothing to say about the well, Mets. And all well, Mets well, I think with here. the Mets, well, I think the Mets fans, and, and because it's like they're a bad carbon copy of Yankee fans, right? It, <laughs> it's it's that's what's been, that's what's happened, right? It's like suddenly you want to do the things that Yankee fans were able to do for all these years, but you don't have the backup with it, right? Like there's there's nothing to back you up. So showing up to Fenway in big numbers to try and make yourself as present like Yankees fans sometimes tend to do, it's not going to help your cause. Like, nobody likes the carbon copy. Everybody wants the original. And so that's what I think is happening is they're starting to try and morph themselves to be the Yankees of New York, and they can't even be the Mets of their own new stadium. And so when they go on the road, they re- like, how do you – like, tell me it doesn't look foolish if your team's rolling out on the road, you've won 40 out of about 100 games, right? And you're like, yeah, we're here deep. We're here to make a bunch of noise. But yet there's seven guys sitting over here who's looking to see what pieces can be sold off from that same team that you just want to come and make noise. So, you know, there was a, there was a respect that you had for Mets fans a little bit here in New England because they weren't Yankee fans. But, you know, when they start the ones like Yankees suck and they start the chant, it's almost kind of like, okay, we get it. You're the new bad guy in New York to the Yankees. But you know what? You're still a, you're still a team in New York. You know, like, like no one comes here for Celtics and no one comes here for Knicks games talking about like, oh, my gosh, yeah, had to come up here to see the Knicks play. It, it, you know, that's it, not really how it works. So we'll talk more Red Sox here on the other side of the break and get you ready for Mark, who's getting you ready for the pregame for the Red Sox Rubber game with the Mets here. Next here on WEEI, it's KJ and Dondero. From the Rubenstein Law Studios, 1-800-BOS-LEGAL. This is WEEI, New England's sports original. KJ and Dondero. 
on WEEI. WEEI. Save us as a favorite on the Odyssey app. And take Boston Sports Original everywhere you go. This is a roster that um, is was built to compete uh, in a very, very tough division. We've made significant investment into this team. John Henry and Tom Warner are always going to do that. I don't think you want to make a trade at the trade deadline just to make a trade. I think you want to make a deal to bolster uh, what you have if, if you need to, if you have holes. I think we're two or three games out of a wild card spot. Obviously not where we want to be, but recognizing we've got 40% of the schedule remaining, um, we've got the potential post-trade deadline for three impact starters to come back hopefully in the month of August with and, and Witt and Tanner and Chris Sale and then you know fingers crossed but we might have Trevor Story coming back sooner than later an impact arm in the bullpen and John Schreiber so it, it's frankly it's much more important that we get those guys back healthy KJ and Don Darrow WEEI thank you so much for spending your Sunday with us remember at 615 Mark Dondero's got your pregame to get ready for the rubber match between the Mets and the Red Sox, yeah, I can smell the popcorn already. Uh, look, Mark, Sam Kennedy's there said something very interesting. He said, one, they we're not going to do deals just to make deals, so that means it's not going to be any big deal. And two, they're still, you know, you're still waiting for Whitlock. You're waiting for Hauk to come back, and you wonder how he responds because you just don't know if a player, if a pitcher comes back shell-shocked after what they went through. Like When you take a shot to the face, it can change you forever as a pitcher. And then the, also the mention of Chris Sale. So in those three that he mentions, you almost say, well, gosh, one of them has had his just been injury, 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 injury. Another one is coming off of a freak injury. So two of the three people that you're expecting to come back, you may not get back in the form that you would hope to compete down the road. So do you, you got to if you make a move, it's got to be for an arm, right? Yes, absolutely. For an arm, you want another an arm that's going to pitch in a playoff game. I mean, it has to be that level. It has to be a guy good enough to do that. Well, but that's, but that's going to cost too much. You don't. I don't think you have no, that no, no. to give back. I'm not talking about a frontline yeah. starter. Um, it doesn't have to be that. Just give me, give me Jake Peavy. Give me. I mean, that's even probably a little bit higher than I need. <laughs> Anybody that could just get into a game. So you do. I don't want KJ to go down the stretch of the regular season or. You wouldn't think this would happen in a playoff game, but you never know based on how the game, extra innings or whatever. You don't want an opener. I don't want the Red Sox with openers. I want them to have starting pitching. Like that's that's what I'm looking for and hoping for. And I just based on where they are and what they have and their talent level, if you can get another pitcher that can add depth to this rotation to this staff, that would be their best move because a lot of ships have already sailed. Yeah, if there are a couple of pitchers that I kept my eye on, where you say, okay. You look at teams that are not competing, and you don't look at teams that you know have big payrolls and have been a disappointment, right? Because they're going to want something in return for that cost. So you don't look at someone like the Chicago White Sox that are paying out well to players and say, hey, we want one of those guys just to have a bad record. I think you have to go look at a team that doesn't pay out a lot and isn't performing a lot, but has a performer on the team that may might be able to perform for the Red Sox and not cost you a lot. Like, I don't remember when J.P. Sears came and pitched against the Red Sox here uh, when Oakland was here the first time. I was just like, hey, look, despite as how bad that team looks, this guy looks like he belongs on the mound. If you can get a pitcher in there like that to not be your front-line guy, but just be another guy who can start games for you, I, I, mean, he's, I mean, he's been lights out over the last month of 198 
Average over the last month, batters 217 for the season. So on a bad team where they're consistently losing, he's the guy that's got the ERA under four and can get people out. If you put him in a staff with Bayo, with Paxton, um, with Crawford right now, and then you and then you see what you get from Sale or what you get from Hauk if he's not shell shocked and Whitlock who took a shot too. If those guys can give you a piece, then now it's like, okay, you got another guy in there to have four starters, and once you get to the playoffs, you got four starters versus three and hoping that you kind of, you know, knock people out the box and get to the bullpen quick. So maybe someone like that, maybe Josiah Gray with the Nationals, you know, he was their lone all-star, but, you know, he may cost a little bit more, but I think those guys wouldn't cost you considerable pieces where, say, like, say, if you go to the Nationals, like, well, we can offer you Kike Hernandez, and he could be your center fielder right now, and you have someone you can put on your programs for next year or so forth or what have you. For Josiah Gray, then you say, okay, because, you know, they're still having Strasburg that will eventually come back and so forth. So maybe that... You, I forgot about him. Right. So, you know, so they're thinking, like, we can kind of peel off a pitcher that may want to get paid as the guy who's the lone all-star on a bad team, and get to a team where you're like, okay, we just need you to be part of the staff, not to be the ace of a staff. Say if someone who's going to get Scherzer, it's like, we're going to go get a horse for the playoffs. I, I think yeah. we just need another guy for the playoffs. I, I don't think that, that ship has sailed. I don't think they're going to find that guy. I don't think they can I don't think they can infuse the, the roster with that guy at this point. I don't think it's going to happen. They have to find a depth piece that could be a good number three. If Sale's not ready, if Sale gets hurt again, if, if Whitlaw, or what did you say? Um, Tanner Houck. He's a right. little messed up because he got Still hit in the face. Shot. If he's not right. right, something like that, that's a guy you need to be able to put in there um, and avoid having an opener so he can go in and produce and be a legitimate arm that can provide you with what you need during a pennant race. That I'm Look, if it works out the way Sam Kennedy outlined it, great. I hope it does. That would be ideal. But you, I don't think based on the names and the situations that we just outlined, you can bank on that. So if you feel like this goes well, this next few games here, these next few games, then you have to try to get, I think, one more of those arms. It would be irresponsible not to because you can't rely on just those guys coming off of injury and nothing else happening the rest of the year. You just can't do that. I think if the Red Sox can win four of their next six, right? They win tonight. They split with Atlanta. They win two in San Francisco. That would take you to that last game in San Francisco would be uh, next Sunday, right? So... Here, literally this week, every night is going to be something fascinating. Um, I, 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 you have Thursday off, so that's the travel day. But you even have to look at Seattle, who's behind the Red Sox in this wild card chase, right there behind them. I think only a game behind. But you almost still have to think that as long as you could stay within three games of Toronto at the trade deadline, that you're not going to be selling off any pieces to say that you're a seller. And maybe you get a small piece to say that you're a buyer because the way you've handled Toronto this year, and you've got them at home, but that's the 4th, 5th, and 6th, so that's going to be after the trade deadline. And then you're looking at Kansas City and teams like Detroit and Washington, the Yankees, even though you've got a three-game series with them, they haven't, you know, this is a chance to potentially put them away, and by the time you get to the middle of August, you've got a tough run there with Houston and the Dodgers. But you could potentially start to really stake your claim to say we're going to be able to get one of these wild-card pieces without giving up a lot of pieces to get something super big. I mean, Toronto, they're two back of Toronto who's in that last wild card spot. Right. Okay. If Toronto, I mean, you've owned Toronto. Now, is that a good thing or do you feel like they're going to come back around and start winning games against you eventually because it's too even for them to just get completely dominated all season long? 
Uh, I don't even. Do they have any more games with Toronto? I forgot. There's a shortened uh, schedule against the AL. Oh yeah, it, it, yeah. Fourth, uh, fifth, and sixth of August. Okay. So literally, right after the trade deadline, you've got your three game series with Toronto at home. Okay, and then so, you'll see them again uh, middle of September okay. at Toronto. So there's plenty of games left with the Blue Jays. Right. You've got to continue to have success against them, which is, I think, a good thing that you've had the success. You're sort of in their head. You're sort of, you know, you have their number. You, you could be able to have confidence that you're going to play well against them. And then it comes down to the Yankees, who have been basically dysfunctional this year, borderline dysfunctional this year. Between the Aaron Judge injury, nobody knows when he's coming back, and the right. Josh Donaldson issues. And, you know, it's just, it's been a little messy there. Yeah, the, I like where the, the calls, Red Sox are. Yeah. You yeah, gotta, I, I mean, they haven't played the Yankees much this year either. Right. So if you're talking about the Yankees in the middle of August, that could be the that could be the series. If you take two out of three from the Yankees, the Yankees may now find themselves in a situation where not only did they have to potentially sell at the deadline, but they may have to start coming off of some of their management. Right, because they already fired the hitting coach. Right, like it's like punching the. You know, you get mad at one guy, you punch your your, your assistant. You know, like wait, the assistant didn't do anything. So. It'll be very interesting how things play out for the Yankees. But again, I like where the Red Sox sit as long as they do not find themselves losing both games at Atlanta and losing two of three at San Francisco. I think it's a different conversation. All right, KJ and Dondero wraps up next. We'll, we'll kind of look back over what we talked about, how you can listen to it as well here on WEEI. Good sat- Sunday to you. Gresh and Fourier. Maybe there are a lot of people out there who are like, hey, this team is it. You got to go for it, even if you made a move. How much better is it really going to make you? I don't know if there's a move out there that makes them consistent. I can't envision management saying, yep, we're going to do what we got to do to get the third wild card. Did you miss something? Listen to the podcast on the Odyssey app or at WEEI.com. Gresham Fourier. Middays 10 to 2 on New England Sports Original. WEEI. WEEI. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively sports. That clock at four. Doncic. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts.